Welcome to Tombrow Talk Circular, where we explore how businesses, municipalities, and governments are collaborating towards a circular economy. My name is Mito Moran. As climate issues and impacts intensify over the coming years, we will undoubtedly see an influx of innovative technologies and solutions to help combat the crisis. This is important, of course. No less important, though, are the solutions and technologies that already exist. Ones that have the evidence behind them but lack the awareness, the investment to scale, and the policies to back them up. One of these solutions is highlighted in a new study published by RELU in partnership with Zero Waste Europe, and that solution is mixed waste sorting, also known as mixed waste processing. Since a significant amount of waste actually ends up in mixed waste streams, this process has the power to make a real impact, ensuring that valuable materials are extracted before they end up burned or even buried in landfills. In this way, mixed waste sorting acts as a stopgap and last chance for those materials to be, yes, rescued, recycled, and turned into new products and packaging. Because mixed waste sorting casts such a wide net it has potential to positively impact recycling and recycling content targets, like those in the EU, and to significantly reduce our CO2 emissions. In today's episode, we have the co-creators of this study with us to dive a little deeper into this process and their study's findings. Larissa Morofsky, co-founder and CEO of Reloop, is no stranger to our program, and we are very happy to have her back today, along with Yannick Vett, an expert in end-of-life waste management and Zero Waste Europe's Climate, Energy, and Air Pollution Program Coordinator. With solid evidence in support of mixed waste sorting, Clarissa and Yannick work with governments and industry to help raise awareness, put the necessary policies in place, and encourage the investments needed to ensure that we can reap the many benefits mixed waste sorting has to offer. Clarissa, welcome back to the program, and Yannick, it's a pleasure to meet you. Hello there, me too. Nice to be back. Hello, and thank you for having me. Our pleasure. So let's get started. Like we always try to do in this program, let's start with the basics. Tell us what mixed waste sorting is, how does it work, and why is it such an important solution to implement in the fight against the waste crisis and climate change? Yannick, maybe we start with you. Yes, thank you. So when it comes to mixed waste um, then we often forget about the huge quantities of materials that get wasted. So roughly half of municipal waste ends up in, in the mixed waste stream. So we are talking about 160 million tons of waste that is not separately collected. Um, to just to put it in the context, we, are, uh, we have currently 150 million tons, which is recycled or composted. Uh, we are really talking about the majority of waste that ends up uh, either burned or dumped in Europe. So this is the, the current status quo in Europe. And in fact, more and more is, is incinerated. So this, of course, has many negative environmental consequences. Uh, it contributes to climate change and air pollution emissions, but also the materials get lost for the economy. So this is important, particularly in the context of um, multiple crises we are facing in Europe, but also globally. So this is really why we need a new strategy for, uh, for managing mixed waste in Europe and globally that focuses on uh, extracting those many valuable materials that end up in mixed waste uh, for different reasons. 
And uh, obviously, this, extracting those materials for recycling will have a multiple benefits. And when it comes to, to the technologies, then the materials that are ready for extracting, are particularly the ones which are carbon intensive, so we're talking about metals and plastics, but of course we can also extract materials such as paper and, and car fraction and polyester, or even cotton textiles. Um, so there is a huge potential to reduce the amount of waste that gets uh, disposed in the very end. Yeah. So when we're reducing the amount of waste, um, and actually you mentioned it, we're losing it not only into the environment, but also the economy. And here, I think you're talking about the circular economy, uh, that we could be putting it back in and reducing our dependence on virgin materials, whether it be fossil fuel or other virgin materials that we're using for other, other waste streams, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. In your study, one of the key takeaways was the fact that mixed waste sorting can have a tremendously positive impact on reducing CO2 emissions. Larissa, maybe you want to take this one. Can you talk us through the statistics on that? Yeah. So first of all, to understand that the study that we were discussing considered the marginal difference between status quo collection, what we're doing today in the European Union, um, and what would happen if we improved our separate collection systems, deposit return, improvements in separation technologies, and additionally, mixed waste sorting on top of that. And mixed waste sorting offers that ability to tap into whatever was not previously separated out. So when we were doing the study, we were pretty well focused on, well, what would be the impact on the recycling rate for plastics packaging? And it showed us indeed that we need mixed waste sorting to meet packaging recycling targets. But what it also showed us was that the improved recovery meant that we got tremendous avoided emission benefits from all of that avoided emissions that we are having by recirculating material, but in combination with the fact that we're burning less fossil-based material. So the combination of the two had tremendous CO2 reduction benefits, which are equivalent to roughly a fifth of the entire EU's waste emission sector. And that is a sector that is one of the highest contributors to emissions in Europe. So that is sort 20%, of- 20%, right? Yeah, uh, over 20%, yes. Okay. So it's major, a major contributor. So, you know, while we typically look at recycling rates and how they're affected by mixed waste sorting, it also, and probably a bigger part of the story, in fact, is its impact on climate reduction. So as as Yannick said, you know, it sort of addresses the, the triple crisis or the the climate crisis, the waste crisis, but also the habitat crisis all in one in one, one way. One go. Yeah. So as you said, and I think this is an important point, uh, mixed waste sorting is actually complementary to separate source and to deposit return systems. It's really the backstop. Getting and recovering and, and as we say, rescuing that material that we would not lose um, because we're not collecting them through the existing structure. Absolutely. And you know, I am I am a believer in separate collection and I've I used to think that it was the only way, but after all of these decades, I now realize that unfortunately, we're not always going to get it right. And even I who've been recycling for 30 years get it wrong myself. So, we do need that backstop solution and really we have to break open that garbage bag and get out those resources. I couldn't agree more, and, and I'm with you, and I don't always get it right either. So I, I think we're not alone, Clarissa. Okay, so we have the technology. We've talked about the trifecta, um, as Yannick pointed out. 
What about policy? What what sort of policy do we need to support? Because I'm guessing this isn't going to happen by itself. Um, yes. So currently, mixed-based sorting is sort of happening organically. It's not mandated by any policy. It's an option. And what we see is that it's starting to happen, particularly in places where there are huge concerns about the climate change, or maybe also now uh, increasingly in places where circularity is an issue. And this is coming up now quite a bit in the, in the context of uh, lack of having enough feedstock, but it's not enough. And we need to uh, uh, recognize the importance of mixed-based sorting uh, in, uh, in both in our waste and climate strategies. And that requires putting in place a new policy framework, which uh, should include different elements. So first of all, it should mandate sorting of mixed waste. And, and we uh, recommend uh, doing it either via industrial emissions directive or waste framework directive uh, or, or both. And as, as you both just said, uh, we also said that this has to be complementary to separate collections, so it should not come instead. And in fact, separate collection helps also uh, mixed waste sorting in a way that, uh, particularly when, it, when we talk about the bio waste separate collection, by removing some of this wet waste, it actually helps us to recover more materials from mixed waste. Um, but secondly, it's, it's also important that our policies need to be uh, reviewed. Uh, to help us to reach this uh, goal. And this means also revising policies such as the Renewable Energy Directive that needs to stop considering mixed waste as a feedstick for renewable energy. And here we have, uh, we just have heard some, uh, some let's say like half good news. So we, we heard there is an agreement that uh, member states uh, can now require mixed waste sorting as a way to ensure that the fossil materials are removed. And, and also we had some news also from uh, uh, last year when the EU emission trading systems was reviewed, which uh, proposed that from 2028 uh, municipal waste generators could be included. And that will be uh, another uh, extra incentive for the industry and, and but also for the countries to, uh, to pull out materials such as plastics from, uh, from mixed waste. We really appreciate you listening to this episode and hope you're enjoying it. Still, there's always room for improvement and we'd like to get your feedback. Be sure to complete the survey you'll find on the description page of this podcast. We're talking about sort of supplementary um, directives and regulation within Europe. Clarissa, I know you you are quite active on the global scale. What's going on there? Well, uh, at a global, global level, we could talk about the internationally legally binding instrument on plastics pollution, which is also known as the Plastics Treaty, um, being negotiated at the UN level. Uh, they are, they're in the negotiations in May and November. There will be a second and third round of negotiations, and that can literally finalize by 2024, 2025. There's humongous support at a global level. I think pretty well most countries are um, in the ambitious, the coalition for the ambition. Uh, we could easily see binding targets. So that could be something very interesting. But I think what's perhaps even more interesting is that we could see some binding requirements for extended producer responsibility. And that would be legislation that would enable a level playing field impact on all producers in the same way all around the world that are currently placing packaging on the market. It would be able to levy funds from these companies 
to properly manage end-of-life management of their package. And I mentioned this because uh, this global policy effort could literally set up a system where local governments and small and medium-sized businesses have the money to invest in systems like separate collection and mixed waste sorting so that they can properly manage their waste. So it's very closely linked. You know, we're talking about Europe. We have money in Europe. We can make these kinds of investments. But there's a whole global south out there uh, and other countries that are are far, far behind us. So this, cause this has potential applicability all over the world. And I'm glad you brought up the investments. Why is this so important to make this work? Um, so indeed, um, investments are much needed, uh, particularly to, to scale up mixed with sorting uh, rapidly across Europe. That's that's absolutely necessary if you want to meet our climate and recycling targets, but also to reduce many of the emissions coming from uh, from the current treatment uh, of mixed waste, and 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 the different ways of doing it. Um, so in places uh, where you have so-called uh, MBT plants, so these are mechanical biological treatment plants, they actually are there are about 500 of them in Europe, and and these plants they could be. Uh, converted into so-called MRPT plants, basically material recovery and biological treatment plants, by making relatively small investments. So we are talking about investing uh, two or three million euros to equip those facilities with technologies that help us to sort out plastics. So we are talking about optical sorters and metals and other materials. And and in other places um, where you don't have MPT plants, then you would need to uh, make slightly bigger investments in order to build sort of like uh, the plan from the scratch. And, but I'm guessing even if it's a, as you call it, slightly bigger investment, that, those are the regions that we're really losing a tremendous amount of material. Absolutely. And clearly by sorting out uh, waste, it will avoid investing much bigger uh, amounts of uh, money, for example, in, in new in- waste incinerators or even landfills. So it helps actually to save us money. Okay. It'll take a little bit of time, but even really just a little bit of time to to get that return back on that investment. We have the technology. Policy is moving in the right direction. We have the effect. We have the scientific data. How does industry stand on this, on mixed waste sorting? Overall, we are seeing that industries are quite positive. So we particularly, we are talking about the plastics value chain. So we talk about plastic manufacturers recyclers, but also metal, especially industries related to packaging. So we see quite a lot of excitement about it. So maybe what is less clear is how to, to go about mixed waste sorting. So there are different opinions whether it should be done via, for example, renewable energy directive, or it should be done via waste framework directive or, or some other ways. So that's the maybe the question left still. So the attitudes are changing. Everything is moving in the right direction. Why is that happening now, Marissa? Well, um, times are changing. And uh, I've certainly been around long enough to tell you that the chemical industry, the, the producers of plastics, have been the biggest proponent to build energy from waste incinerators to manage their materials at end of life. That is definitely changing. Uh, why? Well, you know, they're facing a dual outrage. People are furious about the climate and they know that plastics are a big part of that. And they're furious about plastics in the waste stream and the habitat and the ocean and the plastics industry is part of that too. So they're kind of desperate and it's taking them to this place. They're facing more taxes on carbon 
They're facing a new European tax on plastics, and they're facing bans and many other economic and outright total threats. So, and finally, they're also facing one potential thing that they can that can help them, which is recycled content legislation. So what we're seeing is a lot of more progressives that I would say are looking at vertically integrating their business and thinking more about, I don't need to be a an extractor of virgin resources to make a good product that is called plastic and is potentially usable for, for years and years, potentially generations if I make it well enough. We're starting to see the more progressives, companies like Borealis and Dell that are looking at this industry as sort of a materials management, you know, not sort of mining for oil underground, but in fact, collecting, sorting, and mechanically recycling ideally as much as possible above ground. And so we're starting to see that change. And I can say like, just the other day, I heard a representative of the energy for waste industry in Europe say, our facilities don't want to receive plastics. And that was a change. So there's sort of this full circle moment where we're sort of reconciling that this was not necessarily all it's cracked up to be environmentally because it's just not efficient. It doesn't capture back the nearly a small fraction of what was put in to the material in the first place is captured through energy from waste. So we're finally kind of reconciling that and we're looking at better options. I like that phrase, full circle moment. How fitting is that? Uh, maybe just just to add from our side, we have seen a huge shift in the narrative since 2020 when we published our strategy for managing mixed waste. And that time we were sort of seen as a you know as an NGO acting alone. We got a lot of excitement from NGO community who were interested in mainly uh, from the perspective of seeing this as a, as an alternative to uh, the waste generation. But now just three years later, we see many many actors interested in it. So we are getting a lot of uh, positive feedback and interest from cities, from industries, from NGOs, but it's, uh, I believe it's it's still uh, just a start. So there is much more coming up in the coming years. And how optimistic are you both? You both have children, I believe. How optimistic are you both that this change will happen? In Europe, we see already change happening. Um, even in Asia, we see some movement and in on the other side of the Atlantic. How optimistic are you that this change will come quickly enough for our children? Let's put it, and our grandchildren and their children. Well, you're going pretty deep here with those questions, but um, at a basic level, I'm very optimistic about the mixed waste sorting, uh, more holistic approach around how we manage our resources. I mean, we're at a point now where we have so many best-in-class case studies that it's it's hard to deny. Um, and especially the, the very companies, the big producers of fast-moving consumer goods are fully recognizing that they have a role to play and they're on board with it. They want actually to see this problem solved. So that's a very different place where we're at. If you ask me more broadly, if this is going to be something I'm not concerned about for our children, the state of the world, I would say I'm still very, very concerned. Recycling is an incredibly important part, but it is only a small part and we still have to cut our production significantly, do more reduction, more reuse and better and more recycling. Indeed, I, I, I do believe uh, mixed based sorting will happen, in, especially in Europe, also because it's, it's not something that you just 
build extra next to uh, everything else, you can actually use those facilities to deal also separately collected waste. So it's 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 really flexible system, and therefore it kind of makes sense. And I think we have to move in that direction. We can't ignore all the waste that we produce and have to um, sort of get into uh, being less wasteful. So I think this is something that our children will appreciate when looking back one day. Yeah, I would hope so because we've we've made a mess of things for our children. I think it's our responsibility to make sure that things move in the right direction. So whether we are working um, through the resource hierarchy, as we call it here at, at Tomra, we have the technology to to get to those resources to reduce CO2 emissions. So why not move in that direction? Thank you both very much for your time, for your expertise. And I can tell you, we look forward to having you back. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating, subscribe, and turn on notifications to comment on this episode. Visit circular-economy.tamra.com slash podcast.